This is the Master Brewers Podcast, brought to you by the Master Brewers Association of the Americas, a volunteer organization dedicated to continually improving the products and processes of our membership since 1887. Master Brewers brings you interviews with the industry's best and brightest in brewing science, technology, and operations. This episode was made possible by the following sponsors. Discover more ways to enhance flavor and maximize beer yields with Salvo. Now available in varieties like Sultana, Trident, Lotus, Calypso, Cascade, and many more. Discover how Salvo can help boost your brew at hopsteiner.com. Additional support provided by... Every beer has a story, and that's why, for over 95 years, Gusmer Enterprises has offered a full line of solutions, including equipment, analytical instrumentation, and processing aids, all brought to you from leading suppliers and backed by strong technical support. For the solution to your story, go to gusmerbeer.com. And thanks also to Brew Ninja, a brewery software solution that streamlines your day-to-day operations, including inventory, accounting, sales, and compliance, so that you can focus on making great beer. Listeners of this podcast will receive a unique offer by going to getbrewninja.com and using the code BREWNINJA21. Tracking sessionability without having to go into the consumer's home or having to go into a tap room and just count the drinks that they're drinking. This week on the show, Boston Beer determines how to accurately measure sessionability before releasing a new brand. Hi, I'm Michaela Kraft. I'm with the Boston Beer Company, and I'm in Boston, Massachusetts. Define sessionability for us. Is it the same thing as drinkability? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, So sessionability, I think commonly and very often it's referred to the having to do with the ABV of a beer and that lower lower ABVs are more sessionable um, with reason. We don't want anyone drinking, you know, six barley wines. <laughs> um, but we actually on the sensory team at Boston Beard, we think that it's more than that. Um, often when talking with consumers about maybe a less sessionable product, we'll hear, oh, it's good, but I don't think I could finish a whole can. Um, or I would probably switch something else after drinking one of these. Um, or sometimes at the first sip, it's like, oh, I really like this. And then by the end, it, that all changes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so is it the same as drinkability? I think, yes, the way we're talking about, it, it's very similar to drinkability. Um, we really want to know how the consumers and our drinkers are liking our products through the entire experience. All right. Very good. Talk about any published literature or maybe how others have attempted to measure sessionability in the past. Yeah. So yes. Uh, when looking back into uh, published research papers that have already been done, um, there are a lot that say, you know, If you want to measure sessionability, you need to give your consumers a whole six pack, bring it home and see how much they drink. Or you need to go in the tap room 
and track how many how many beverages that they're ordering of one drink um, and track it that way. Now, if we're to do this, uh, you really need a product that's already done, that's already on the market. Um, and sometimes you want to know these things before you're, it's on the market. Um, or if it's not being produced yet, you do have to scale up a pretty big amount of it to do studies such as this. Um, and so there, what I haven't seen in published literature yet is this way of tracking sessionability without having to go into the consumer's home or having to go into a tap room um, and ca- just count the drinks that they're, that they're drinking. Okay, so this was very much aimed at sort of your R&D process. You wanted to sort of find a way to, you know, wrap your arms around sessionability before you had a product that was, you know, definitely approved to move forward. Yeah, exactly. I think this way we're able to, we want to see if we can catch a sessionability problem in our beverage before it's on the market and we have to, you know, then reformulate and try again. Okay, cool. So you basically broke that down into two main objectives. Tell us about those. So um, our objectives in this study, we want to understand how well the drinker drinker tests, which are like um, CLTs done at central location facilities uh, with smaller volumes, um, like four and 12 ounces, uh, predict how much a drinker consumes in home use tests that are not done in a controlled environment and are done in the consumer's home with a six pack. Um, And then we also want to understand like what, what are the benefits and opportunities of both a home use test where we're giving them the six pack. And then with the, like, what are we gaining from the, these CLTs done with um, four or 12 ounces? And then also what are we gaining from the home use test? And then what are we losing for both as well? And say again what CLT means. I think we went over that kind of quickly. Sure. Yeah. So we do a lot of our consumer testing at a central location. And so CLT stands for central location test. Um, and okay. they usually are controlled environments. You've got quite a lot of data here. I believe you had over 1,000 participants, three different tests and three different environments. Describe all of that for us. Yeah, so over all of our tests, um, we did have over a thousand consumers um, taste the same sample, but uh, the test varied in volume size. Um, So we had three ounce pours, we had four ounce pours, six ounce pours, and 12 ounce pours. And then we also had the home use test that had a six pack. Um, So volume is one variable. And then also across these tests, we tested both a beer sample and we tested a hard seltzer water sample. Um, The other variable across these tests is environment. So CLT is at that central location facility um, with a very controlled environment. Um, And then we also tested two of the tests in a tap room. And then we did um, now two home use tests Uh, one on beer and one on hard seltzer water. Okay, give us the details for the um, single evaluation drinker test. Yes, so what I mean by a single evaluation drinker test, these are the tests that have either a three or four ounce pour. Um, So in these tests, they're getting 
a smaller pore of the sample um, and they're only telling us certain metrics that we want them to tell us like overall liking meets expectations and of course how many they would drink in one session um, once so the evaluation is singular um, versus the multi-evaluation test where we give them a larger pour of 12 ounces which actually allows us to ask them these overall liking meets expectations and sessionability questions multiple times and so as they drink they're telling us how they like it at the first sip and they're telling us how they like it at midway and then also at the end and this allows us to understand like the entire experience in that single uh, evaluation drinker test you, you do that both in the clt and in the tap room now how does it work? Like, what's the actual delivery of the samples and, and the, the evaluation process look like? Yeah, so in, in a, the single evaluation drinker test, very often we're doing these tests with multiple variables of one sample. So they'll get one sample at a time, but up to four samples in, during the test, throughout the test. Okay. And when you, talk, when you say um, variable, are, are, are you talking about sort of like... Um, are you serving them slight variations of the same product? Are you serving them totally different products or do you mean something else? Yeah. So variations of the same product is what I mean by that. Um, not, we try to make them quite different um, variations as in, you know, the, the difference isn't so slight that they go, we, the consumer is going to the next one and they think they're drinking the same one. We really are trying to pull apart the differences to learn the best way that we can. Okay. And then that's pretty different in the multi uh, um, evaluation drinker test. You're just giving them the, the one, they're not getting multiple variations of the, of the same thing, right? Correct. Yep. They're, so in that test, we're really looking at the full experience. So one full pour of one sample and then asking um, the same questions multiple times. Okay. Awesome. All right. And how about the home use test? I bet your version of that is more fun than what most people think of when they hear the term <laughs> at home test these days. Right. Um, yeah. So actually we have them come into that central location facility only to pick up the six pack. Um, so still that, that facility is recruiting a cer certain consumer that we want. Um, and then they're bringing a six pack home to drink um, as they normally would because we want them to be drinking these samples um, in a most, the most natural setting as possible. Um, and this six pack is all the same beer. Um, and what we really want to know from this is given one session, so we tell them a 12 hour, uh, eight hour window, excuse me, um, have, drink as many of these bottles as you'd wish. Um, and we don't only tell them to count how many they drank. We also, at each bottle, ask them a few questions such as overall liking, meets expectations, um, et cetera. So do they, um, I mean, do, do they, do you tell them like, okay, this needs to be on a Saturday or a Sunday? Or do you tell them like, you know, it's okay if you only want to drink one of them or, you know, how does that work? Yes, we definitely tell them it's totally okay if you only want to drink one. We also say if you don't even want to finish the first one, you don't have to because we want to capture that. Right. Um, but we also schedule it so that they're usually coming in on a Thursday. Um, and then we tell them that we want 
it to be completed by the next Thursday. And we do that strategically so that they have it fresh on their mind over the weekend uh, to remember to do this. Um, but we do give them that week time um, to be able to do it. But we don't require it to be on the weekend. We do ask them um, about their session. So we'll ask them if it was on the weekend versus the work week, uh, because that just gives us a little bit more um, perspective. perspective exactly into into the session. You know, there are beers I can drink three of and feel fine the next day and others that make me regret it. And it's not necessarily just about ABV. I think higher alcohols probably play a pretty big role, for example. I guess I'm wondering whether or not folks who took the, the at-home test had the opportunity to change their answers the next day. Oh, we did not ask that. <laughs> but I think that's actually a great idea for the future. Coming up. Being a good indicator of sessionability, also being a controlled environment and being able to collect the drinker perception over time. And also it being like a very quick, I think are all really good reasons of why this is a very pragmatic method. I'm John Bryce, and you're listening to the Master Brewers Podcast from the Master Brewers Association of the Americas. There's really only one thing that keeps this podcast going, and that's when listeners like you take the time to thank our sponsors. The next time you talk to a rep from one of these companies, be sure to thank them for their generous support. Get to know Proximity Malt. We malt superior, European-style, low-protein varieties grown close to home in Delaware and Colorado. Domestically grown, precisely malted to style. With our team of seasoned experts and two brand new malt houses, try what's really new in malt. Check us out at www.proximitymalt.com. Brew Monitor from Precision Fermentation works with your existing fermentation tanks to track dissolved oxygen, pH, gravity, pressure, temperature, and conductivity in real time from any smartphone, tablet, or PC. Get started for 30 days risk-free. Visit precisionfermentation.com MBAA. Brought to you by CanCraft. We all know how important first impressions are, so put your best can forward by partnering with CanCraft. Offering a full-service packaging experience, CanCraft's design and aluminum specialists are here to support your business from concept through to delivery of ready-to-fill beverage cans. Visit psgcraftbrewing.com backslash CanCraft to learn how CanCraft can help realize your brand potential. Are you looking to reduce CO2 usage, increase capacity, reduce TPO, or scale up hard seltzer production? The Alpha Laval Aldox has been the industry standard for de-aerated water production for over four decades. Simply plug and play, DA water is available a few minutes after power-up and offers lower installation and operating costs than other technologies. Like all of Alpha Laval's brewery modules, Aldox is pre-assembled and pre-tested in our workshop before installation. Let the leaders in brewing innovation help you meet your production quality and sustainability goals with Aldox. Visit us at alphalaval.us slash MBAA to learn more. 
And here's what's coming up on the Master Brewers calendar. District Great Plains meets November 11th and 12th at Free State Brewing in Lawrence. District Southern California meets November 12th at Pizza Port in Carlsbad. District Rocky Mountain meets November 12th in Glenwood Springs. District Northern Cal meets at Russian Rivers Windsor Brewery November 15th. District Milwaukee meets November 17th at Sunshine Brewing Company in Lake Mills. District Ontario meets November 17th at the Mill Street Brewery in Toronto. The 2023 Master Brewers Conference will be October 6th through the 8th in Seattle, Washington. Check out the full calendar of events at mbaa.com for more details or to find a district meeting near you. back to the show. Talk about how you analyze this data. What were you comparing? We see some really strong evidence that the 12-ounce for CLT is very similar, gives us very similar data to the home use test. And how we found that out is that we took... Um, what their reported sessionability, and that means the amount that uh, the consumer is telling us they would drink of the sample um, in the CLT. And we compared that to the actual sessionability, and that's how many they actually drank at home. Um, this is our like very first uh, like high level way of looking at it, um, but we're already seeing some really cool results. Um, so we've seen that in both hard seltzer water and the beer tests, that the 12, the, what the reported sessionability from the consumers in the 12 ounce CLT is almost, it's extremely similar <laughs> to what they're actually doing at home. And now then when we compare that back to how many they said they would drink in the three, four and six ounce tests it differs quite a bit. So in the three, four, and six ounce tests and the CLTs and the taproom, um, we're seeing that what they tell us for how many they would drink is very different to how many they're actually drinking in the home use test. Was that a surprise? Um, you know, I, you know, I guess, why do you think the CLTs were more in line with actual behavior at home? I would have guessed that the taproom test would have been um, you know, much closer to that home results. I, I get the smaller sample size and everything, but the you, you did a taproom full pour test as well. Were you surprised that that wasn't um, a better indicator? Yeah. So I will start by saying that we saw in the 12 ounce taproom test, it was a little bit more accurately predicting the actual testability than the four ounce taproom test. So volume still played a role there. However, when it came to the taproom test versus CLT, I have thought, tried to think a lot about this. Like, why wasn't it as reliable? I think that the taproom test might be predicting a different occasion. They're drinking the beers in a, diff in a taproom environment that maybe they're thinking, oh, I could have four of these when I'm out at a bar versus when they're at home and they're just planning on having two. Um, 
So I think that that might be what's going on there. So going back to those main objectives, walk us through the pros and cons you identified for each of those tests. Yeah, so comparing a three to six ounce CLT to a 12 ounce CLT to a home use test, we do see at the moment, at least for, for our use, that the 12 ounce CLT is being a really good indicator of actual behavior. It's a very pragmatic method for measuring sessionability. Now, what's good about the three to six ounce CLTs is that they're quick and simple. We can usually get them done in one day, um, even just a few hours. We can test multiple variables in a session. Um, and it's a very small, a much smaller scale up. Um, however, it's not a good indicator of actual sessionability. Um, and also the multiple variables in the test may be causing some more noise as well. So this is actually a point I did want to bring up is that in these three to four ounce tests, um, or the three to six ounce tests, they have multiple variables, which I think puts the drinker into a different mindset, knowing that they're going to receive another sample. So things so when we're asking them sessionability, they're like, I think I'd have two of this one, but let's see about the next one. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'd have three of that one. Yeah. So I think that that's also causing some noise in those tests. For the home use test, it is actual behavior that we're getting. Um, so it, of course, is very accurate. Um, but it, it's also a very large scale up. So when we're sending a six pack home, a six pack, home with 100 consumers, that means that we need to make 600 bottles of this beer. Um, We don't always have the capacity to do this. I think smaller breweries may not always have the capacity to do this. Um, And so that scale up is definitely something that um, may stop someone from, from testing a beer that's maybe not being brewed at the moment. Um, and then also it's a longer timeline They're, we're giving them one week to, to do the home use test, to pick a session and drink how many they want. Um, so we don't get that data back for a week. Um, and then usually it's one or two variables at a time. So we don't have too much room to test um, different variables and how many they drink of, of say four different variables. Um, and then there's, of course, much less control. Um, so in a lot more variability. Um, so we do look into what they're doing during the session and when they had the session. Um, but it's not a control that we could control it by saying, you know, this weekend when you're watching the football game is when we want you to drink this. Um, but usually we want it to be very natural. And so um, it, it is a lot less controlled. Just speaking to the lack of control there, I mean, you know, it could be a beautiful 70 degree day, you know, and, and then maybe they're drinking them on their back porch or it could be, mm-hmm. you know, pouring rain and cold. And um, I bet you get some pretty different responses there. I think that would be fascinating to, to test a home use test um, and talk about and understand what the weather was uh, yeah. while they were yeah. drinking. Absolutely. Yeah. And is it a challenge to get enough participants for this sort of thing? I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's people that will line up for free beer, but like, I mean, it seems like a lot to orchestrate. Do you have to recruit employees too? Or, you know, how do you get these numbers? Or is it just people like to drink beer in Boston and you're, it's no problem. We use, um, 
we use uh, facilities who do the recruiting for us. And so they usually have a pretty big database of beer drinkers, hard seltzer water drinkers that they can pull from. Um, and that, and they are really good about matching our recruit. Um, so actually, yeah, there's a lot of people out there who are willing to do these tests, especially when they're told, hey, um, hey you, you match the recruit for this study and you get to take a six pack home. Do you want to join? Usually we have very uh, good buy-in for those. Now, when we have two variables and they have to come back to get the second one, we start to see some fallout. People don't come, can't come back when they can. And, and unfortunately, that's a little bit harder. You know, it's not very practical, but don't you think the classic two-liter German boot might be the ultimate session ability test? <laughs> I don't know. I had that on my... For my 21st birthday, and it spilled all over me. <laughs> <laughs> so did these findings lead to any permanent changes at Boston Beer? I think one of the biggest questions that it answered was, are these 12-ounce pour tests going to give us reliable data? And we are seeing that. And so there's so some instances where we don't feel like we really need to go to a home use test because, say, the 12-ounce pour test has shown that there is a sessionability problem or we're very confident that if we're not seeing a sessionability problem that we probably aren't going to see one in the home use test. Do you evaluate sessionability for certain products um, that are designed for sessionability or are you just as interested in understanding the results for really big beers? I love that you asked this question because so far we've measured we've measured this on products that are made to be sessionable. But what I would love to look into next is sort of a negative control where we take a product that maybe hasn't done so well um, in other CLTs and we see if like, like what non-sessionable data looks like. Yeah. Okay, so what's next? I know you mentioned that you're going to be presenting this data again, maybe revised uh, with some new analysis at the um, Society of Sen Sensory Professionals. Did I get that right? Yeah, so I'm definitely excited to share this with the sensory community as well. Um, and also understand like, uh, you know, how this applies to other products. So far, we've tested on beer and hard seltzer water. I think we want to try it on maybe other products that have you know, like a vodka base um, or or even something totally different like a porter or uh, something that is more indulgent. Um, really looking forward to to testing these, at least these 12 ounce pour tests on different, on like a wide variety of products. Um, and I'm also interested to see like maybe from other companies that that are testing non-alk beverages. Um, I'm I'm interested to understand if how they test for sessionability is much different. Um, I'm hoping to learn from this conference. Like if you know when you don't have the the alcohol content as something that keeps you from giving consumers an, only a certain amount. Um, if there's other ways of testing sessionability that have been successful um, in like in CLTs or um, or tap room. Well, I guess it wouldn't be a tap room test if it's not elk, but <laughs> like Costco or something. Yeah, yeah, like in yeah. in in store tests. Yes. Yeah. 
Cool. Um, just wondering, did you get any interesting questions or feedback on your poster during the Brewing Summit that, um, that that's worth bringing up? Yeah, I think the one comment that I got that um, was interesting to me was, you know what? I think we need to spend the money on on these full pour tests uh, because it seems to be very reliable. <laughs> That was Michaela Kraft here on the Master Brewers Podcast. What is your brewery study that should be shared with the rest of the community? Consider putting together a poster like Michaela's for next year's Master Brewers Conference, which you should probably get on your calendar right now. That's October 6th through the 8th, 2023 in Seattle. My fist full of courage. Are you enjoying the Master Brewers Podcast? Let me tell you about a simple way you can help us keep making more. Take a minute to thank our sponsors. There's no way we could produce this show without generous support from sponsors like Hopsteiner, Brew Ninja, Proximity Malt, BSG, Gussamer, and Precision Fermentation. So please, let them know you heard their message on the Master Brewers podcast and that you appreciate their support. Can't stop, can't stop, can't stop.